Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And welcome all to part 34 of our weekly podcast, The Curran View with the Idle of Hillsborough, Mr. Terry Curran. How's things? Fine, thank you. Yes. Uh, dreading tonight's game. Yeah, you're sounding in fine. Vettel. Uh, well, obviously, uh, I'd like to see him win, but I'm afraid I think we're in for a big uh, hiding tonight, but I hope not. But we'll just have to wait and see how it goes. So, will Wednesday be in the same Vettel as yourself tonight, TC? How, how do you see the game going? Well, uh, if I was managing, we'd we'll, be having a go with them. Uh, they are a great team, mm. but once you start to put fear into your own players, you know, realistic when you look at it, player for player, the way off it, we know that. Yeah. But you've got to make the great thing about Brian Clough. He made ordinary players believe, you know, that they were superstars, and that's what you've got to try and give into your players. And <clears throat> you know, I think I just think uh, we'll go and we'll. I think what Munk will try and do, I think he'll try and uh, try and cut. Uh, I'll try and cut Manchester City uh, from trying to score as many goals as possible. I think that's what he'll, he'll try and do tonight. Either way, you know, if you attack him, you could get absolutely annihilated. And if you defend, you could get absolutely uh, annihilated. That's why you've got to believe in your own players and not worry about the opposition. What you've got to worry about is is what you do when you haven't got the ball. Yep. And when you get the ball, you've got to try and create chances and get shots off and, you know, and... Uh, Take every opportunity what comes your way because the good teams will always punish you. And you're right, it's only 11 versus 11. Yeah, okay, their 11 is better than yours, but you know, it might be your day and not their day. And let's be quite truthful, especially in FA Cups and League Cups and any cup for that matter, we've always seen shocks. And let's be honest, who would have thought Saturday Watford would have beat Liverpool 3 0? Well, I've been saying to my lad Tom that uh, you know the kind of I think they're a great side is Liverpool. Yeah. I don't put them in the same uh, league as what the great Arsenal team were, what went all unse- uh, all season un- undefeated. But I think they're a good, you know, a, a fantastic football team with a fantastic manager. But if I get, if if I was your manager and I kept giving you negative thoughts. Yeah. You're going to have ne- negative uh, outcomes coming from it, aren't you? Mm. You know, you think, well, I don't do this and I don't do that. I don't try this. I don't try that. Should I do this? I shouldn't I do that? You know, you're right. You're 100% right. That I agree with. Uh, player for player, they are better than what Sheffield Wednesday is. But how do we go around? How do we go about beating them? I've got to make you believe that you are better than them. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And that's what great managers do. Mm about the opposition you know you could go on all day long about the, the players at Manchester City De Bruyne this 
you'd be petrified. You've got to say to you, you've got to say to your midfield players, Bannon. You know, people will laugh at it. Bannon, you're a better player than uh, than De Bruyne. Do, do I know he's, he's not? Of course I do. But it ain't, I've got to make him believe that. Yeah. You know, and you got to you got to get into Bannon's head and, and the, 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 the midfield players get tight on him. You know, don't give them time because if you give these players time, they're going to uh, crucify you. You know, if he plays the ball and he goes and he goes basket, you've got to go with him, or somebody's got to go cover round and, and and check his run. And that's what you've got to get into players. Don't don't make them believe that they can't beat him. You've got to make them believe that they can they can beat him. You know, and we all know if they get beat, they get beat. But there's a way there's a there's a way round there's a way about going and playing these teams because if you sit off Watford the other night went at Liverpool they put them under pressure and all right he left one or two players out but at the same time you know choose who you are if you don't give the players time on the ball you've got a better chance of beating beating those uh, teams Gabby and that's a fact I, I promise you that. Hundred percent. I mean, they're they're only good when they've got the ball. If you've got the ball, it, you know, it, it's I call these different systems. You can play whatever system you like. The idea is to get the ball, use the ball, and score with the ball. End of. And try and keep exactly. that your net. It ain't difficult. You know, I mean, I, I watched parts of the Newcastle game. I mean, I watched the, the Chelsea game, but I see parts of the Newcastle game today. And I keep telling people that Joel uh, Joel is, is a good player. Joel Linton is a good player. Yeah. You're breaking up a bit, CC. So, where are you? Sorry, can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're uh, just going out a bit. What I'm saying is that Newcastle don't break, uh, don't uh, make enough chances for him. Yeah. Right? So when he gets a chance, he's got to take it because if he doesn't take it, then everybody's going to turn around and say, you know, he doesn't score goals and he doesn't do this. You know, I think Newcastle are a better team under uh, Bruce than they are under. Um, Rafael Benitez, yeah. you know, but Newcastle still don't create enough chances for their strikers, and that's been a that's been proven over this last ten years. Yeah. You know, if you're going to sit back and defend like a lot of teams do, your strikers are not going to get your 25 and 30 goals a season, and people then are going to say, you know, you don't score enough goals, they don't make enough chances, yeah. and the longer that goes on, the more pressure it goes on to that player. You know, so that's why I'm saying about with my team Sheffield Wednesday, we have to go out and believe that we can beat these teams. But we've got to work hard when they've got the ball, and when we've got the ball, we've got to keep it with a tempo and try and create chances. You know, the, the game. You're right. Whatever system it is, the best teams what don't what play without fear will always win more matches than the ones what was going to defend and think, you know, or put fear into your players. It's, it never works. It never does work. Magic moments, TC. What have you sourced for us this week? Well, the magic moment uh, I sourced this week is the performance of the young boy from Chelsea last night. It's quality, now, wasn't it? Absolutely. I mean, we can all look at and there's, and there's some great goals being scored and, and, and things. But I want to put all the emphasis on on, on that young man for a, for a, for a young boy, Gilmore, to put that kind of performance in, playing against seasoned uh, ad pros, a European Cup winning team. I mean, the little run what he chased back to uh, put Marnie. Stop mining getting a shot off. I don't, I don't know if you can remember it in the game itself. 
uh, it was absolutely fabulous. But the, I mean, the good thing about it, all that, I mean, I was at Doncaster and we played them up there in the 12s and the 14s, something like that it was. Uh, and they beat us 9-0. And you could see what a player he was then as a 14-year-old. You know, and I, I remember saying to the boys, because we, we'd done really well at our leagues. I mean, we're only playing Rotherham's and you... I mean, all were in our league and your grims a bit. And we were beating them teams four to five ourselves. Mm. And I used to say to them, you've got to keep improving and learning because when you play against players what can read a game, you're going to find it difficult to play against. So it was a great uh, satisfaction to see that young boy uh, maturing like he's matured from when we played him in a little... I mean, we at the season, Doncaster used to go up, or middle of the season, we used to go up and play up in Scotland. Um, and like I say, it's performance. So I don't want to go into anything else and put two or three on today. I just want to say, what a great performance. If you're willing, if you've got good players like that, it does not matter what age they are, yeah. right? And it's, it's still a slightly built boy, you can see on it. But his performance last night was so mature for a young man. You know, I just want to put all the emphasis on him. I mean, I could look at um, Barclays' goal absolutely brilliant and it what a fantastic goal but all i want to look all i want to look at uh for my magic moment is for a young boy to prove that it can be done if a manager is willing and brave enough to give that boy uh, any young boy uh, a chance at football and talking of of uh, gilmore looks like you're going to lose your great young player to brucey Dortmund, doesn't it yeah um you know, I I I love to watch skillful players and artists, um, and players that that catch my eye. And and you're right. I mean, Billy Gilmore last night, I thought was absolutely fantastic. And the little clip that they put on the match of the day Facebook, where he's a bit of a drag back and good feet, he's he's uh, got a got a yard out and then put a fantastic ball through. That for me, it catches my eye. I look and I go, wow. I watched the uh, Fernandez, the boy at Manchester United, and I've can I just it. can I just yeah, sure. you there? Yeah, that's that's the bit what you've just said there, and yeah. I, I, don't, I don't want to forget what, what you just said. He does the clip and he does the drag back, but yeah. he plays the ball forward. Exactly. I keep telling Jock, you've got to, you're only going to score goals your team if yeah. you look to play forward. Yeah. Sometimes, I'm, look, I'm not a long ball player. My team, I won't be wanting to play long balls, but you have to play the occasional long ball. But you, your first thought should be, can I, can I, can I get it forward? Yeah. Can I get the ball between lines and get two or three of the men out of, out of, put the two or three of the men out of the game? So that's a great point. What you said, the little drag back, but he's looking to go forward. Sorry for interrupting you, Gabby. Sorry. Superb. And I, I'd heard of him before because I've watched him before playing for Chelsea. Because um, my, my stepdaughter. She uh, used to go to school at the Bartley Green and there's a couple of lads from her age group that had been professional football players and that little Jordan Gibson was one of them and he, he was up at Rangers with uh, Barry Gilmore and he was going to make his debut for Chelsea and I was round their house and I was talking about this uh, Billy Billy Gilmore and I was like, the bloody hell eh? and And they were saying, what an absolute player he is. So I didn't like know that. of him a few months ago, but I didn't know anything of him before they told me. It was, like that, it was like that at 14. Like yeah. I said, when we played them as yeah. a 14-year-old, up in Scotland, there's a there's an age difference. Mm. It, I think it goes from year to year with them. Yeah. 
So there's a, like a six-month gap, yeah. age difference when they're playing our teams. But it, it's a young... Well, I mean, we played them and the Beatles, and we, we were the bad little team, yeah. Gabby, at, at our level. Mm-hmm. You don't forget we're only getting the scraps at exactly. Doncaster Rovers. Yeah. You know, but he was like that yeah. at a young age. And that's why you can always tell the great players. Exactly, yeah. They're going to go on to do great things. Yes, I'm not daft enough to know that, you know, uh, you find your level yeah. with players. But you can see he's one of them. He's going to be one of them who's going to go on and go on to be better and greater uh, in football. And you can see the achievements that he's going to achieve. And he's going to be a great asset for Scotland as well as. Oh, absolutely. But going back to Jude Bellingham, I've never watched Jude and he's caught my eye in that kind of way. Yes, he's a good player and you, you don't you don't get a starting shirt in the championship at 16 by not being a good player. And he is. But he's got different attributes and he's a, he's a kind of player that I look at and, yeah, you're a good player. You you know, in a, in a similar way that, you know, Steven Gerrard and a Frank Lampard, you know, great players, but... But not ones that caught my eyes. You know, the Curries, the Rudsons, the Skulls, mm. the Gazers. It's them players. I remember the first time I watched Rivellino and Zico. And it, it's generally that player that's got that skill. It's got a drag back. It's got a trick. I remember watching John Robertson. I mean, I used to play when I was a kid mm. on the left wing. And I used to um, I used to pretend I was John Robertson when I got on the football pitch. I never had much pace. I could do a bit of a drag back. Beat me, no, beat me did back. Exactly. And that's I used to try and mould my game on John Robertson because he'd just <laughs> drop his shoulder and bang and he's got a little trick in him and, and I used to do that because I could never beat anybody for pace I wasn't like you I wasn't like the speedy wingers a Dave Thomas as well if you like run past the defenders bang it in or got that strength to go either side and have a crack at goal so I, I used to look at Robbo and um, that's as, as as I look at players and, and that little bit of skill and that little bit of quality and and I think the players that stand out for me are those type of players, not the box-to-box kind of box I'll tell you players. what. I'll tell you what never changes in football, yeah. and it will never, ever change. Yeah. The players what can go past people, oh, dribble. Yeah. It will never, yeah. ever, that will never, ever change. And it's the greatest yeah. thing to watch on a football field. You can have all your 20-yard, 40-yard passes, what get them in. But when you see your Ronaldinho's go past people, your yeah. Messi's and your best, your Robo, yeah. when you see these people go past people, it's the finest thing, and you think, I wish I could do that. You know, you're breaking up again, TC. I don't, I don't know why he keeps doing this. <laughs> right. uh, it's a brand new phone. This is an iPhone. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, so when you see these players what go, go past people, it's great to watch, and it yeah. does get people off the off off the bums, doesn't it? You know, yeah. I mean, when it used to be standing, you know. The raw when when certain players got the ball, it's it's it, it's uh, it's unbelievable, and the excitement it generates throughout the uh, game, and 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 uh, the fans can't wait for the next match to see that type of player. So it's great to see these type of players. And yes, this boy, and I think Bellingham's going to be absolutely a fabulous player. And the thing about Bellingham, and don't there is a bit of a difference, and the difference is. Once playing for Birmingham City, which is a big club, and I yeah. say big club, it's always been a, a good, good club and a well-supported club, uh, you know, from a big city. But Gilmore, for all the talent he's got, he's playing with talented, talented, oh, talented yeah. players. And, yeah. you know, whereas 
the Birmingham boy is they're just ordinary and average players compared to the ones at Chelsea. Absolutely. My um my other magic moment was um Diogo Jota's turn. <laughs> I mean, that was just sublime. He's turned, he's spun, he's took the ball, he's run with the ball, he's looked at Jimenez, he's played a perfect ball through to Jimenez. He's had a look at the picture, he's dummy to go, he's gone the other way and he's pinged the ball in the top corner and go, do you know what, that's what Wolves, that's what Wolves give you, excitement. And- and Nune has done absolutely a fabulous job there. Unbelievable. I mean, he, Unbelievable. He, his team's go to... He, he's not afraid to go to Tottenham. No. Nah, and Mourinho, yeah. what his old manager. Yeah. You know, uh, he, the the performance they're putting on at this moment in time in, in, in Europe and then taking it out uh, into the Premier League is, is, is absolutely brilliant. And it's another team I love to watch. Like you said, absolutely a fantastic goal, fantastic movement about it. And some of the football uh, that Wolves are playing is brilliant to watch. And I'm it, a Sheffield Wednesday fan, but yeah. I could watch Wolves. You know, I can sit and watch Wolves all day as, as much as I could Manchester City or Liverpool because it's, it's lovely football to watch. Exactly, and it's players, and they're exciting because you know something's going to happen. You've got players that got players that can do anything at any moment in the game. My second uh, magic moment was Jordan Flores's goal for uh, Shamrock Rovers against Dundalk. Have you seen it? How has he done that? I don't know. I'm, I'd have broke me hip if I'd have tried that. But, but everything about it, the technique and, and, and timing, everything. It's got to be the, one of the greatest goals of all time when you look at that. It's because he's got it right. Because if he doesn't catch it right, it's like anything else. It goes all over the place. But yeah. it's everything about it. It's 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 unbelievable. It if you don't been. see it, if you didn't see it, you think people are exaggerating with it, wouldn't, wouldn't you? Yeah, you would because I mean, how, how, how tall's the boy? He's got to be at least five eight, five nine, or even yeah. taller. It was it was like shoulder height. So. The ball's got to be almost six foot, and he's just absolutely leathered it. And I thought the picture um, from the goalkeeper, the goalie's view was even greater. You just look <laughs> and you go, "What a goal!" Third, he, he just looked. He just looked at it and thought, "How's he done that?" Oh, you, see, you know, it, 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 it's one of those goals where you just look at it and you think, "Well, we'll hold his hands up. Nobody's, nobody's going to stop that." No. no one's going to stop it. Not at all. So, but the good thing about football now with the foreign coaches coming in, and I know because in training with some clubs, you know, managers used to, you know, you know, you're not in a circus. We don't want you doing these type of things. The good thing about the modern players and, and, and having these foreign coaches, it's allowed them to express themselves. Yeah. Yes, you've got to do the right thing on a football field. We outshowboated at the wrong times. But it, it's great to see these co- coaches encouraging the players to express. And it's great to see some of these uh, phenomenal uh, performance and individual uh, skills from players up and down the country, even in the lower leagues now. It's great to watch and to see it and, and, and for them to be uh, having a manager what wants them to express themselves. Absolutely. And then my, um, my final ones are... Um... Jordan Morris's brace for Seattle Sounders. Seattle got off to a great start. The MLS has started again. So week one, 
Uh, three points for Seattle Sounders and Carlos Vela's chip for LAFC. What? Well, a I watched. Goal. I watched that game. I watched that game. Uh, and first thing I said to my lad Tom, I said, "I just seen an absolutely great goal, but a bad goal." He said, "How do you mean that?" Yeah. I said, two mistakes, but the finish was sublime." Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, the finish itself is brilliant, but as a manager, you'd be you'd be pulling your hair out with yeah. defending of it. But the the finish itself was, like you said. Absolutely unreal. And and ain't you getting off to a floor as well? 3-1 away at uh, Portland Timbers for uh, Minnesota United. Is that where Inchi is now? Inchi is, yeah. I was, I was watching it because I, I, I look at all these, all different games and, and, and the MLS. I, I like the MLS because I, I do um, a group and a, and a page with Seattle Sounders and interview some of the older players from the NASL and, and look at what's going on now with Seattle. So I like to watch every week the MLS. So I found Where it do you YouTube. get all the time for all this? Do you know what? I bet, your, I bet your missus is pulling her hair out. <laughs> I do try and find a little bit of time here and there to, to read me books about football. I'm still on that book about the Hungarians. I've got to the Battle of Bern. But I do like to watch the YouTube little clips and that educate yeah. you an awful well, lot I watched as well. It, I, watched it by, I, I watched the full Miami game. I watched the full of that, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I thought Miami should have got something out of it. I think they had the better chances. Yeah. Um, Pizarro, he looked a decent player, didn't he? I didn't see the games. I've just seen the YouTube clips because I was at Wembley. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I went How down did to Jack play? Well, to be fair, I mean, a bit of alcohol was being uh, taken on board by me. I mean, my view wasn't the greatest. I was in with all the Manchester City supporters. So I spent the, the travelling with, uh, with the Villa fans on the uh, on the minibus going down and then in the Villa pubs and uh, we had a good old time. It was a great day. And then I went in there, stood with all the Man City because I couldn't get a ticket in the Villa end. So I went in the Man City end and the, a number of the, you were a Villa what? fan. <laughs> What was it? What was it like uh, watching them perform live Manchester City? Um, yeah, they they're good. Um, I watched the game before at Villa Park, so I was watching from the Holt. So I was quite high up in the Holt end. I got a better view from there. I was quite low down, and and um, you don't get the same view. And I was talking to a Man City fan pretty much throughout the game, and I'd had a few jars as well. So. Um, my my, <laughs> my my kind of view was a little bit not as what it was at the old end a few months ago. But they are a great team. Ain't that Rodri? What a, I tell you what, he's a beast. He's in midfield. Oh, this, he's this, a this, big this, boy. He is. There's some good. I mean, I was just talking about Tom today because Tom was not talking about Tom. Tom said to me, "Dad, it looks like um, Kane going to Real Madrid for 150 million." Yeah. I said. Once you start spending 150 million on one player, that's majority of your budget gone yeah. for them type of teams. Yeah, I said there's one thing about Guardiola when he when he buys somebody. Mm-hmm. I said if you can't get three world class players for 50 million pound each, yeah, you gain three players for one. Yeah, you know because yes, one individual uh, can help uh, a team, but you've got to have good players around him to give him the proper ammunition to uh, to to make him even better. You know, so, I mean, Messi's a prime example with Barcelona and all those players around yeah. him. And he's got good players at uh, Argentina, but they'd never look like a world, within a World Cup with, with with Messi there. That's why you've got to have 
other great players around you for the for these superstar players to 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 achieve what they need to achieve and for their teams and the countries to achieve you know so for Real Madrid to be spending 150 million pounds on Kane Kane I wouldn't like to think I would, well I wouldn't do it I'd be lucky for to get three players in yeah. for 50 million pound a piece and I'm sure you can get some superstar players and well some great players and turn them into superstars and I think that's what well I don't think that's what I like about Guardiola he seems he seems to be able to turn great players into even greater players yeah, and Phil Foden uh, started and, um, and and played a great game. But if you put Jack in Man City's team and Foden into Aston Villa's team, <laughs> you'd you, you know they're both great players. But the thing is with Jack, Jack's playing in a team that have been struggling all season and haven't got much of a goal threat. Whereas City have got fantastic players all over the pitch, and and that's the difference. And that's why I would love to see Jack being in the England team. And I'd build the England team around him because I've got that much confidence in Jack Grealish. I think the kid's different class. You know as well as I do, people are always going to have a go at you when you when you predict, make statements. Yeah. And and I wrote well, maybe two months ago, maybe a little bit longer than that about Jack uh, Liverpool or Manchester. He wouldn't look out of place. And then some couple of fans put. Are you are you being serious? Mm. So he's better than David Villa. I said, did I say we're better than David? So because I don't usually write back yeah. in certain things when because I don't want to like to get into arguments because it's people's opinions. Yeah, but he exactly. said to me, uh, "Are you telling me he's a better player?" So I wrote back and I said, "No, I'm not telling you he's a better player. I'm telling you, he won't look out of place in a Manchester City team or a Liverpool team." Yeah. But people, when you make that statement, you know, he's being brave. And yeah. it's been, you know, because, like I said, for Chelsea to put, throw that young boy in there last night, it's brilliant. And it, 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 it's brave from Frank Lampard. Mourinho won't do that. Yeah. He won't take that risk. No. You know, so you'll do it and I do it. And you'll yeah. turn around and say, what a player he is. And people look at you and go, well, he's only playing at Aston Villa. Oh, Aston Villa was a big club. Yeah. They haven't got great players. They've got yeah. good players, but they haven't got great players. But unless you're going to give these these, these these young kids a chance and throw them in at the deep end, you'll never, never know. And like like like, like you just said, like I wrote about two to three months ago, he would not look out of place in a Barcelona and a Real Madrid team. Neither. Near my Manchester City or Liverpool. 100%. Any, any football club that I, that I owned or I managed, or, or any club in the world that is a top, top draw club would want Jack Grealish playing in their team and being in their squad. And that'd be England, that'd be AC, whoever, whatever team. Because I think Jack is that good. He would grace any football pitch and having great players around him would make him look even better than what oh, he is. Listen, remember when I said to you two or three months ago about him, what makes him so good is the composure on the ball. Yeah. He does not panic. Yeah. Right? Matt Letizia had got all that. Yeah. All of it. Not the quickest. Could you imagine him if he'd have gone to Manchester United yeah. or an Arsenal? And make no I think they did try and they did these clubs did try and sign him, but he just loved Southampton, didn't yeah. he? His heart was set on playing at, at Southampton. You know, and that's what you can think. Having that composure, Gabby, mm. watch any player what's got that composure, it gives them far more time than any other players. Yeah. The, the other players, I should say. Because 
they don't panic on the ball. They don't panic. They don't rush a shot. They don't rush a pass. They see a pass and they see it early. And they see it with accuracy. Sign of a great player, TC. But there's some there's, there's some of them I watch when they sign them, some of these players, and I think to myself, yeah. I can't believe who signed them players. Yeah. You know, if my main priority, if I went to any football club tomorrow, right, uh, and you looked at Liverpool, I wouldn't have to because I said before they bought him that um, Alisson, yeah. it's Alisson in Liverpool, Edison yeah. in Manchester. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're going about Van Dyke. He's the best sign in the van. Make no mistake of it. Because, you know, they had Van Dyke and they couldn't win no. They got Alisson in and then they started to win things. Yeah. Because that's, that's that's the most important position on a football pitch, the goalkeeper. Yeah. And you've got to get... And that, if I was a manager, that would be my main priority. Once I knew I've got myself a good goalkeeper, then you can start to work on playing out from the back, you know, playing through the thirds. Letting players express themselves up front, but knowing, uh, knowing, and letting them know that they have to uh, know what the defensive duties is when we haven't got the ball. But the goalkeeper is the most important pitch uh, player on the pitch, and then you can build everything around the, the team itself. Absolutely, Premier League or Champions League is the topic of the week. It was on your Facebook account the other day, and. Um, with Pem, Pep Guardiola, with um, God blame Liverpool, Jurgen Klopp, Jurgen Klopp last night, the FA Cup, put out a real, you know, it was a second string team, wasn't it? He wouldn't have played that team if it would have been in the Premier League, and I doubt it very much if he play that team against Atletico Madrid. But it's Premier League or Champions League. I mean, I've heard the debates today. Liverpool fans all were interested in the Premier League. You're 19 points clear. You've won the Premier League. Why you didn't try and kick on to get the double? And then next week, another um, opponent and competitor out the way on a third prong attack of the treble with the Champions League. But the Premier League and, and the Champions League, what's your take on it? What's the most important? And really, first and foremostly, you shouldn't be in a Champions League if you've not won your own Premier League in the first place. Well, that that, that last bit I do agree with. Mm-hmm. But let's go back to, to, to Claude. I mean, everybody goes up. When Liverpool won the Champions League last year, yeah. and Manchester City won the league, uh, people were saying, well, Liverpool achieved more because of won Champions League. Mm-hmm. Manchester City won a treble. Yeah. Manchester City went went and tried. Guardiola is like uh, Clough. He's, he he wants to win everything. Yep. The the uh, charity shield to Guardiola, right, is as important. People won't look at it. They say that no, he's talking. No, it, it, we don't believe it. It does. That's why they win trophies. Yeah. They're managers. The charity shield is as much important to him as the Champions League. Yep. Now, he's won the Champions League. Yep. Yes, he's got to win it at Manchester City. I understand that. Because, you know, the, the, there's been millions of pounds thrown into it. But Guardiola last year went for all four competitions. Absolutely. League Cup, yep. FA Cup, uh, the League and the, Champ- and the Champions League. Yep. And with, I mean, Tottenham got through on a technicality. Yeah, they should have got through before, to the before, City. Before, yeah. before they got to City, they should, I mean, they shouldn't have got out of the group stage couple of mistakes that other teams did let them yeah. qualify they shouldn't have they shouldn't have got through against um, 
Ajax. Yeah. But they did. Yeah. And they certainly should have gone through against uh, uh, Manchester City. But, and I will say this about them, they did play exceptionally well in both games. And, and, and you know, but they knew they had to go and, and, and score goals. You know, I mean, the 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 last the last goal that Manchester City got and he got called offside through the VAR. <laughs> you know, it, it, it was in Tottenham's advantage. Yeah. But if that's if they qualify, I'm not saying Manchester City won it because they still have had to beat Liverpool. Yeah. But Liverpool, like when I say Liverpool, Klopp has not gone and done what Guardiola did, trying to win all four competitions. Exactly. You know, he's tried to pick. You know. Uh, uh, select which ones he thinks he can win, and it doesn't always work that way. But I think they're a fantastic man. He's a fantastic manager. It's a fantastic team he's got, and it's always been a brilliant football club from when Shankly built it. Hundred percent. You know, <laughs> but you know, to be true greats, you know, it would be great to see one of these teams win a quadruple. Yeah. You know, but there's one thing about Guardiola. It does. It does try and win every competition that he enters. Yes, he's got the players, and you know, it's like when they said to me, "Oh, Guardiola's a great tactician, and Klopp's a great tactician." Or Mourinho, when they all going mad about uh, Mourinho being a tactician. Tactician. When there's 30, 40 million pound players coming on, that's that's not a tactician. It's having great players. Yep. It's having great players, but I'll always give Guardiola that little more benefit of the doubt because he does and he wants to win every competition. You know, I mean, they have had a fantastic season as uh, Liverpool, but they've had a little bit of luck with it. I mean, I've looked at games with Leicester and Sheffield United and other games where where they've got things out. And I mean, it's a sign of a good team, you know, getting results when you don't play particularly well. I think they played particularly well, but they've had that little bit of luck to go along with it. But they're all going on about how great Liverpool were last year. Manchester City were the best team last year by far yeah. because they had to keep pulling out stops mm-hmm. because Liverpool were pushing them and pushing them. And at one point, they were about seven or eight points behind them last year. I mean, it's too much now yeah, this season. Definitely, 100%. But I love Klopp and I love to watch Liverpool play and it's been a remarkable achievement the three years what Klopp's done and he's put that pride back into Liverpool Uh and he's made, he's made him a league football club again uh, amongst the elite in Europe, you know, the top six in Europe again. 100% can't disagree. And it is half-time against Atletico Madrid. However, with not scoring an away goal, it is going to be a difficult job at Anfield because Atletico Madrid don't give many goals away. So it's going to be pretty much a war of attrition. And if Liverpool don't get that early goal that opens up Madrid... I can see that being a long night for Liverpool. And as they're pressing on, they could counter them. And if that happens, it is going to be a very, very tall order. Well, I'll be, I'll be watching the game Same, yeah. uh, only because of the importance of it. Yeah. But other than that, I wouldn't want to watch Atletico Madrid and no. Simeone's teams. Same, yeah. not, it's not, I, I can't watch that football. I don't watch Italian football, by the way. Yeah. Unless it's a World Cup. Hmm. You know, I do not watch Italian football because... I can't watch boring defensive football. Same here. And he, they're going to go to the Anfield, right? And they're going to pull out all the stops, the fouls and everything oh, else what yeah. goes with it to try and stop Liverpool uh, scoring a goal. Yeah. And it's going to be difficult for Liverpool. Make no mistake, yeah. this is going to be a difficult time. Because like you've just said, they do not give goals away, especially in Europe. Mm. They make it very hard for, diff- uh, for, for teams. But what Liverpool's got 
those European Cup nights, I have never ever seen anything like this in all my life. Yeah. From even from the old 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 when I say old days, when I, what I mean by old days, from when I was playing football, the atmosphere on those. I mean, it's always been a great atmosphere at Liverpool, but those European Cup nights, you know, the Barcelona incident uh, last season, I can remember the sent. I think it was sent at the end. Yeah. Same similar type of thing to win three, two, four, three. Yeah. You know, them fans pull them through these matches, and can they get them through this game? Because now uh, they've had one or two. Well, they've had a couple of bad results. You know, people then start to saying, "Is Klopp chopping and changing team? You know, is he doing this? Are the players are tired? You know, everybody goes on about having a rest. I bet, in one sense." They'll not admit this, but I bet in one sense, I bet they wish they wouldn't have had that little mini break because they've not looked right since they come back from that mini break because yeah. they did all right against West Ham, but West Ham opened them up a little bit because for a change, West Ham under David Moyes went to attack Liverpool yeah. and they caused them problems. It's only with the, the goalkeeper making a, a, a silly mistake. Was it Mane's goal or, or Salah's goal? When he's gone through his Salah, he's yeah. gone through his he's uh, mm. through his arms and through his legs. So every team, it's a bad patch. But Liverpool's had a, a an unbelievable run. It's been an unbelievable run. Yes, you know uh, they deserved it because the performance have deserved it. But they've just it a bad patch, probably at the wrong time. Yeah, they're not going to get caught in league, but it's. I think they've hit a bad patch at the wrong time. I do in all the cup competitions. One of the threads that, that and, and talking point that, that you were articulating through your uh, feature of the topic of the week, the Premier League or the Champions League, is the fact that we only really see the top European teams now, for instance, Bayern, Real, Barca, getting to the further rounds, the later stages, going deep into the competitions, when in the old days we used to see lots of foreign teams get to semi-finals and finals of major European competitions. So let's just reminisce, five, let's pick five of the teams, not necessarily the best ones, but five teams that used to go deep into European competitions that we don't necessarily see now that we did used to see in the 70s, TC? Well, when you look at, when you look and analyse the, the, the European Cup Champions League, yeah. it's still, from 55, when it all started, it's still the major players what's won the most trophies, the big clubs. Yeah. Right? But when you look at the teams, what you we don't see particularly now, uh, even... Going in, going out of the group stages. Yeah. You want me to pick five? Well, you remember a team called Star Bucharest? Yep. Yep. Star, yeah. You know they 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 have won the European Cup or champ, well, European Cup we call it Champions League now. Yeah. Feyenoord being a team what's won it twice. Yeah. You've never heard of them now going that far. The biggest one of them all is Benfica. Yep. You know, we've always been. One of the great teams, you know, of the 60s, we, we all used to love to watch, you know, uh, Eusebio, you know, playing with Portugal. Remember the team called, they've changed the name now, but the, the team called Red Star Belgrade. Yep. Always had great players. 
Hamburg is another one. Yeah. You know, I mean, Celtic, you know, you, you look at Celtic, absolutely massive, massive football club. But their problem is that they can't compete because they're not in the Premier League because yeah. they don't get the money to generate for them to generate and buy the world top players. You know, uh, that's Villa. You don't ever know you're here. You know, so it's it's and it's always been the big boys what's always won it anyway. It has always been the big boys what's been in and around it. Benfica, Red Star, Belgrade and uh, Hamburg. So let me listen to yours. Yeah. Um mine in again in no fixed order, but you know, teams as a kid, and we used to have the the sticker books, and you'd look and you think, well, where are them from? Who are they? Let's have a look at them." Yeah. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for one. Who yeah, I've been reading me uh, me book about Hungarian football, so I'm proper into this Hungarian football. At, at the about moment. you? What about, about what? No, I'm gonna go for Ferenc Friday, Friday, (laughs) and uh, they're the only team, a Hungarian team, to win a club uh, tournament. Um, So I remember when I was trying to pronounce the name when you said it because obviously these are teams what we remember when we were kids uh, playing in Europe. Yeah, they beat they beat Juventus one nil in the old Fairs Cup in nineteen sixty five. So Ferenc Var and to think that the domination of Hungarian football and and only Hungary have only ever won one tournament apart from they've won a couple of Olympic games, but World Cups, Euros, and 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 so on, and UEFA Cup and Fairs Cup and Cup winners. The problem Cup, is they, they lost a lot one. of players, didn't they? When you yeah, know they, uh, oh, affected and yeah. went and played for other teams, so that that didn't help them neither. No, it it never, but. I always thought, well, you know, that was that pretty much nailed Hungarian football when the tanks of the uh, the Red Army coming to uh, yeah. Budapest and and yeah. smashed the revolution. But they still qualified for for World Cups after that. Oh, it's absolutely. Still had some great players. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was talking to Ron Atkinson. I'm doing a a, a program, a Big Run Remembers, and he was telling me about um, Florian Albert. And how brilliant he was. And in fact, he, his uncle, one of his uncles, had got a dairy in Goodison Road. So Ron spent uh, the World Cup that of 1966, spent his time up there at, at, uh, in Merseyside and was behind the goal that Farkas scored uh, against the Brazilians when they beat Brazil 3-1. So even then in 66, they had a great team, the Hungarians. Is, so, that, is, that, is that country, is it split up into parts or is it, you know... Well, Hungary's a bit of a, I suppose, like Europe. It's a bit of a basket case, isn't it? They're always having because, like borders said, changed. Yeah, always, they were always in and around the major tournaments, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, after the First World War, they they lost pretty much seventy percent of the country. So bits right. of Romania and Slovakia and so on, and and, and that, and then the formation of different countries of of took land mass from Hungary, but. Um, I mean, since the Second World War, they've pretty much stayed the same. So I just think that sometimes you do have that, that golden team, don't you? And, yes, you know, yes. from the late 40s to, to the mid 50s, they 
I mean, they, they lost one game in about 50. They went six years without losing a normal game. Because I don't class the World Cup final as a, as a normal game. It, it's just that one-off, isn't it? So when you lose, the only game that you lose in six years is the World Cup final. And you have a goal disallowed in the last minute. That is pretty much unlucky. Yeah. Well, it, for countries that size to produce those type of players... Exactly, yeah. It, 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 I, I mean... The nearest one to them, when you look at when you analyse it, it's got to be Ajax. I mean, they won yeah. the European Cup for three, three years running, yeah. didn't they? With yeah. Cruyff and them. I mean, still only a small country, still only a, you know a small team as such, and for them to keep producing players, yeah. you know, and still yet getting to quarterfinals of uh, of Champions Leagues, you know, and getting to World Cup finals, it, it's a phenomenal and a great achievement for for a, a country that small. But again, it's all when we're talking about Ajax, who built the foundations. It was pretty much an Englishman, Jack Reynolds, mm-hmm. who I think was a manager for about 25 years at Ajax. And then Vic Buckingham, another Englishman, he was um, he was the manager there that gave Johan Cruyff his debut. But indeed, uh, discussion <coughs> that they have to go out to these countries yeah. to be able to express themselves, yeah. you know, and, and produce them. Great players, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yet in England, for some unknown reason, they get coaches, good coaches like that, will get the sack and manage uh, and players like your Curries and your and your uh, Hudsons of this world and your Osgoods are just ignored by the elite uh, governing body of uh, our country. It's, it's a disgrace. It always has been. Absolutely, and another one who was the, the inspiration uh, for the Hungarians, Jimmy Ogan. He, he taught the Hungarians how to play yeah. football during the Remember First World Jimmy War. Ogan, yeah. You know, when it's so when you look at the way that the Europeans have grown and the skill, because I think that's the difference with with ours. I mean, even back then in the, in the fifties, England were all you know running around and getting fit, whereas the Hungarians done all that with the ball as well. And their passing, their passing and movement was it was indelibly impregnated on their game by an English coach that that couldn't really get a job in England being a coach because they all thought he was balmy the way he was trying to play football. But, yeah. you know, he's... We're, we're obsessed with working out. I mean... Yeah, we are, yeah, definitely. You, we, you, have, to, you have to work out. Of course you, you do. Anywhere, but yeah. Don't, but we, we put more emphasis on yeah. that than skill. Yeah. And if you can't get around the pitch, if you can't get around the pitch, then choose how much I'm going to... Uh, skillful players, but the, but the good thing about what you got to analyse with skillful players is this: you don't have to be quick, and they don't be able to run up the, uh, here, there, and everywhere. Yeah. What they what they've got is a brain what fills in areas, knowing. I mean, people will call it cheating. It's not cheating, Gabby. Mm. It's called understanding the game. Yep. It's called understanding the game. A good a good striker will stay sometimes upfield. People say I was cheating because I'm not cheating back. Mm. He can tell when he thinks Gabby will get this ball here, so I'll stay here. They understand the game. It's our coaches what don't understand it. Yeah. Anybody could stop someone playing football. Not everyone can coach a team to attack yeah. and defend at the same time. And that pretty much is what the philosophy of those coaches was. And another one, George Rainer, told uh, Stanley Rouse just that, that Matthews needs to be tracking back and doing, being busier off the ball as, as well as what he does on the ball. And no, we don't tell our players to do that. Well, that's what happened with the Hungarians and teams like that, the Austrians and, and, and all those other teams, because they, they did 
just as much work off the ball as what they did on the ball. And uh, it's quite phenomenal, really, that those coaches were ignored. It's just absolute stupidity. I heard this. I heard today, well, today or yesterday. Uh, is it Boyd? Boyd, the guy who used to play at range went to kill Manic, the centre forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I heard him say today, you know, we have got to get away from these players, uh, these smaller players, not uh, picking these players because what we've done over there, we disregard them and not let them develop because because they're too small with even kids. Yeah. They disregard them. They lose interest in it, yeah. and they finish up losing out on, on on great players because they've had the bigger, the stronger player, Athletes. and they just don't develop. They just don't develop. They no. just don't develop, and it's it, it's it's been a crying shame what's happened to English football. English football. I tell you this. I've always said it. You know, thank the Lord for the foreign coaches because it has helped our game. Yes, we've lost players now. We've lost players because some players. When I say some players, we've had the wrong players. What, what they've what they've signed, but if they're not going to work, what, if they're not going to listen and learn the, the game, you know, and not going to uh, eat the right type of food, what these coaches are trying to uh, help them with, then they will get rid of them. But what we did with our coaching, it's it, I'm, I'm just like happy. If you went. If you went round and some saw some, and it'd be no different today than when I would. And I know because I know some football clubs. I mean, uh, uh, some some guy phoned me up today, and I'm not going to mention because his kid his kids playing at a championship club, mm-hmm. and he was saying, you know, half the time he sat uh, when they're doing free kicks, he sat on a ball, yeah. and having they can't go and do any anything else because they have to watch what they're doing, and half of, and, and the players what are not playing on a regular basis in first team, they're just mannequins yeah. and they're working. Uh, and if they go and win a ball from a corner kick, defend, you know, defending a corner kick, kick the game mollickens. I mean, that, that they wonder why they don't get jobs. It's, you can see it. It's just been stupid what they've done and how we've gone around about it. Oh, 100%. And, and we keep repeating the same stupid cycle. So Anderlecht were another team. I'm going to briefly yes. just run through them. I mean, you always saw Anderlecht, a great Belgium team. St Etienne, you'd mentioned earlier, that great night at Anfield. I think when uh, super sub David Fairclough put them to the sword. Yeah. You have mentioned Hamburg. They were another uh, great team that used them. Kevin Keegan famously went over there, didn't he? Borussia Mönchengladbach. They yeah. were they were another team that you always used to see, and uh, we Pestosa. I always wondered where we Pestosa come from. <laughs> Vienna. Sorry. Austria Vienna. They were they another just, one, yeah. Austria Vienna, yeah. You used to see that. I mean, I tell you what I find strange when you asked me this question and you sent me a message. You know, so yeah. you know, uh, Borussia Dortmund, you never heard of them anyway. No, you never. But that yeah. is, um, they get 80,000 people. Yeah. Every home game. Mm-hmm. Eight, yeah, but they would never, ever, you never saw them in European uh, tournaments, did you, or getting five in them? No. You know, no. it was only under Klopp that uh, I heard of them, me. Yeah. Well, no, I, no I, I, when I say heard of them, they become more... Uh, Oh, when's he nearly scored there? Uh, what side's it on, TC? I'm, I'm... BBC One. Oh, OK. Is it one or two? Let me have a look. BBC One, yeah. So, uh, 
what I'm trying to say about Dortmund, it's a massive club, and I heard them in, in Germany, but in Europe, because that, that was a question you asked me. And yeah, I, yeah, and yeah. I, and, I, and, I, and I looked Dortmund up, and I'm thinking, they've never really, really been no. uh, famous throughout Europe, like the Bayern Munich, and, and you know, uh, Werner Brennan's, and the, the, I remember all them in, in, in Europe, but they were never really, yet it's a club that gets 80,000 people, yeah. and it's a phenomenal uh, Stadium and the fans get just like Liverpool get really, really behind the team. Slovan Bratislava was another yes. team. Duck what a shot that one is! Yeah. yeah, there were just so many. You well, know, Bed Star Belgrade, Partizan Belgrade. That was you. Yeah, yeah. Locomotive they Leipzig. Used, they used to play in like a black and white strip. But Red uh, Red Star Belgrade used to play in the red and white one. Yeah, you know. It, <coughs> When you think of some of these teams, what I mean, what I find strange now is, you know, Portugal, yeah, uh, Bel- uh, You don't see any of these teams now going anywhere. They don't even get out of the group stages now, do they? No, Panathinaikos. I could never pronounce that. But I mean, Pan- Panathinaikos. Yeah, they, they got they got to finals and stuff, didn't they? Yeah. You know, there were so many different clubs from different nations that would go deep into European competitions, but you don't see it these days. You just see the same big eight to ten clubs. Well, well, listen, Wolves used to be in Europe yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you don't see that. No. You know, we've, we've got it this year, but, you know, they felt by the wayside, didn't they? You know what I mean? For years yeah. and years and years. Yeah. In fact, Wolves really went out to, to fourth division. I think they did go so, down to the fourth, yeah. So it, it, it's unbelievable when you yeah. think about it, how it's all changed that way, you know, with the clubs. And, you know, well, the other thing is now, I think what's hard for, for all these teams is having these squads of 25, but, I mean, some of them have got 30 and 40 people, yeah. players. Oh, Aguero just missed a sitter. Um, so that doesn't help these other club because you know in Belgium uh, even France now you know the, the, all the best players are nicked well not nicked they're bought by you know the big clubs out throughout Europe aren't they yeah, you yeah. know you've all, you've all in, you're Portuguese they're never going to get to these fans because they're losing all their best stock piling yeah. players by the big European giants they were that's what they're doing spiling them so to make sure that they, the other teams uh, don't get them and uh, put them under pressure in Europe and the, you're right they stop violent that's what it is pretty much Beyond the Lens TC another feature that we do on the podcast a uh, picture of yourself David Ford and Big Ron what's the story behind that picture went to see Ron at a, uh, after dinner do uh, in Sheffield with a great night yeah. some great stories uh, and that, that's what that story is about but uh, did I tell you Ron tried to sign me when he's managed yeah. at Manchester United yeah you know, so he, he's uh, one of the big managers I never played for. But uh, it, it's not as though it came from uh, someone else. It came from Ron Atkinson himself. Mm. You know that uh, he got Norman Wynn to to phone me up, uh, and the deal would have been done. And but Reg really put a block to it, and they finished up signing Arthur Graham. Now, so otherwise, I'd have I'd have been I'd have played at Man United. But again, you, you were a Ron Atkinson type of player, wasn't you? Because Ron always used to like to play with what I would always call and perceive proper players. 
Yeah. Well, he, he's seen some he's, he's seen some great players throughout his careers, and he's seen some great managers before he went into management. Yeah. And no doubt he wanted to go down that route. That's the route he thought was uh, his way of playing football and entertaining the fans. So you're right there, hundred percent. We all view football differently. We've all got opinions, and lots of opinions differ with your philosophy on the game. But my philosophy and players and managers that I've always looked up to and respected have always played football on the front foot, had skillful players playing in there and had attractive teams and have entertained supporters. And once you've watched them, you want to go back and watch them again. That's what football's all about for me. It is, and I agree with you one hundred percent on that. I do agree with you. That's what I want to, you know. I want to watch. I want to watch great teams play great football. Gojlo Grosic, a bit of a mouthful from our not half. Yeah, from our history vault. Do you know much about him? Never heard of him until you've told. Until you've said that he was a Hunga- his name. Hungarian goalkeeper in the right. uh, in the fifties. He played eighty six times for Hungary. Um, by 1956, he'd won 42 games with him in the team, seven draws and just that one defeat. So in 50 games, one defeat. He was yeah. nicknamed the Black Panther because he wore all black kit. But when he was a kid, his, uh, I think it was his mum in particular, wanted him to be a priest. So there is a school of thought that because he was encouraged to be a priest, that's why he wore the all-black kit as a goalkeeper. But he was known as the Black Panther, and he was arguably the first sweeper-keeper that's, uh, that's ever played football. And in '49, tried to defect from the uh, the iron fist of the, uh, the Soviet Union that run Hungary. He got caught. He was under house arrest for espionage and treason when he was caught by the Secret Service. And he was only taken out because he was a damn good goalkeeper. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you can imagine... In, well, it is a prime example. Yeah. Uh, Ron Greenwood, when he was manager of England, one week picking um, Schultz, the other week picking... Yeah. Um, Clemens, yeah, you know, that's why they don't become great, great, great manager because they don't they don't make the tough decisions. Yeah, you know, it's, it's unbelievable. But you know, it's the most important for me. It's the most important uh, position on a football field. If you get that right, then you've other things because your defenders then are more comfortable and not worried about the goalkeeper. And I let me tell you something. I've played in enough you know, football teams for the, for players to turn around and say. We're not sure about his keeper. They'll not say it out loud, but they yeah. say it among themselves. So, you know, that's a little bit of history we've just learned today then. And, uh, and an England manager there, Ron Greenwood, that phoned up Alan Hudson on a Sunday night while he was in the pub. <laughs> you, you couldn't make it up how England used to run uh, the, well, how the, how the managers used to run the England football team. Yeah, but you, you would expect him, you'd expect him to like Alan Hudson as a player, wouldn't you? Yeah, you wouldn't would, you? to be fair, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, you start at West Ham to play yeah. f- f- football. Yeah. But for some unknown reason, with the players like Hudson and Osgood, and Bowles, they just don't want to pick them. They just don't want to pick them. I just don't think they like their lifestyle. And I think yeah. that's another thing. I think that's what it was. It's not the players, it's the lifestyle. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, they, they, they saw them players. And, and I think to a large degree with Madison and, and Grealish, I think that's how Gareth looks at both of those players. 
I think you might be right there. Too, too maverick for me. I'd rather have a, a Winks and a Mount and a Royce and yeah. Oxlade Chamberlain, you know, Henderson. I can control them players. I know what I'm going to get. Whereas for me, Mindland midfield, I'd have Grealish and Madison both in there because I ain't bothered what they do off the pitch. It's what they do on the pitch when they get the ball. That's what I bothers want, me. I want to let all the people what listen to this podcast and just pick up on what you just said. And that is the thing about football management. They want to control yeah. the players. And they won't be able to... Or the Southgates of this world won't be... The Guardiola's can, and the Cloughs can, yeah. and the Shanklers can. Yeah. But the Southgates, they want to control the players of the Grealishes and the Madisons, like you just said. Yeah. And they won't allow it. So with Tony Waddington, Tony was never bothered what Alan done off the pitch. All he was interested in was what Alan done on the pitch. He said, I've bought you because I know you're the greatest player. You just go out and do it. And that's mm-hmm. what he done. Um, with, with Dave Sexton, Dave, <laughs> Sexton mate? Dave was more bothered what we were doing Monday to Friday than what we were doing on a Saturday. It's incredible. And that, again, that's the difference between the managers. Time has flown quick again, hasn't it? TC, it's unbelievable. I can almost hear my wife firing up. I've just heard firing up that Uber, firing it up. So that can only mean one thing: it's our yes. football forecast. You won last week because you correctly uh, predicted Fulham to beat Preston, where I went for a draw. So you got four out of five. I got three out of five. So it's thirteen ten to you. So you do pick the music again this week. First game, one of your old clubs, Nottingham Forest versus Inform Millwall. How do you see that one going? Uh, Forest win. 2-0. I'm going to go 1-1. One, one. Um, Bristol City versus my tip for the championship, Fulham. How do you see this one going? Fulham, 2-1. Yep, I'm going to go Fulham. I'm going to go Fulham 1-0 because Bristol, they're in and out, aren't they? They're quite an iffy team. Um, Brentford versus Wednesday. Now, Brentford have fallen away just of late. Had a couple of hiccups against a team of yours that currently nil-nil against Manchester City, but have had a proper wobble, in not Wednesday? So I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw. I'm going to go 2-0 to Brentford. Leeds United versus Huddersfield. Now, that's a derby. Anything could happen in this game and often does. How do you see this one? Fair enough. Yeah, I'll tell you what I can see. What happened. I can, I'll tell you what I can see happening. Leeds 3-0. Yeah. They were absolutely unbelievable. I mean, that goal they scored, I mean, I was going to put that in it, but I just wanted to talk about the boy Gilmore. That third goal they scored was unbelievable. Great football. Great football at any level. So, 3-0 Leeds. Yeah, I really hope Leeds come up because they do play some fantastic football. And I think that the Premier League would only benefit from having Leeds United and their fans in the Premier League. Uh, last game, Monday night football. Leicester pretty much off form. Against Aston Villa, they have only won two games on their travels this season. How do you see that one shaping up? Well, I, I thought uh, Villa uh, didn't do too bad. I mean, City were 
brilliant, but I, I thought Villa had shown patches on on, on Sunday. Yes, I did. Uh, I'm gonna go for a a one nil Villa. Yep. Do you know what? I'm gonna go two one Villa. I do think. I just keep every week. I say, well, not every week, but every time Villa play away. This is the game that they're going to get three points and, and they have fallen off. But I do think that they're going to get some results, especially away from home with only, I think they've got 11 games. The rest of them have got 10. I still think Villa will get out of it because they have got Super Jack and they've got now a goal threat in Samata up front. So I'm going to go with you in a way win for Aston Villa. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's about time that Villa got a away win. So um, that's. I think that. I think this week it could be one of them weeks where Leicester might may just have enough game and Villa might just be able to nick this one nil. You never know. It's a funny old game, as the genial Jimmy Greaves always said. Well, we're out of time, TC. So, once again, thanks for your time. Love to you and your family. And thanks to everybody listening. What song are you going to play out with this week? I'm going to go with a King's one, uh, Lazy Sunday Afternoon. Let's hope it is. Right, so that's, I'm going to go with that one. So I want to thank everybody um, what listens to it. Uh, and again, I'm going to say it again. We're looking for a, a sponsor what can help us so we could uh, take it forward our for, uh, our podcast because I do enjoy doing them and uh, I love doing it with you, Gabby. So let's hope that we can get someone to sponsor us. Yeah, and the football project going forward because you know when we look at the team, we've got you know yourself, Alan Hudson. And big Ron Atkinson as well. So we ain't got a Brilliant, bad we ain't got a bad team, have we? Great team. <laughs> we Great just, entertainment. Well, that's what we want to bring, but we do need sponsors to make yeah. those dreams come true. So if you do know anybody, get in touch. Brilliant. Thank you. And let's hope our teams have a good weekend this weekend. Yep, let's hope we're both singing the blues too. Say so come Monday. Brilliant. Thank you. Good night. Have a good weekend. Cheers, pal. Bye bye. Bye bye. And left me in my stately home, blazing on a sunny afternoon. And I can't sail my yacht. He's taken everything I got. All I've got this sunny afternoon. Save me, save me, save me from this squeeze I got a big fat mama trying to break me And I love to live so pleasantly Live this life of luxury Blazing on a sunny Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? 
Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.